Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest, we welcome you and to all of you that persisted, persevered through the traffic, still came to church, I say thank you. Realized it was a mess, it was, a, it was an accident mid-afternoon and it got clogged up then and never had chance to recover before rush hour and then I think there was another one as well so I realize a lot of you, uh, I was blessed to sit in it with Brother Middleton this afternoon, come back from in Kansas City for a couple of days this week and we, we got to be parked on Route 50 for a while so knows a mess and I sincerely mean it. I thank you for pressing your way through. Um, of course, you probably would have pressed your way through for work, so. But I do appreciate it. I do it. I mean it. To those of you that are joining us online, if you turned around and went home and now you're watching, thank you for watching. Wherever you may be joining us from, thank you. Again, I, I know it, it really, it was, I realize both, both ways. Sometimes it's just 50, but then every now and then we get one of these days where north, south, east, and west, it's, it's a mess. So, praise God. I want to, uh, sound room could, uh, my iPad on the screen, please. Great, I'm back to the... Andrew, I need you to save me again. I'm not getting my uh, double view on my iPad. Saved me last time. Um, while he's coming, I want to give you my title tonight, and I'll start, maybe I'll... Can you, while he's helping me out, can you just put Mark chapter 1, verse number 14 up? Is that possible? Wanna wanna talk to you tonight about follow to become. Follow to become. We get uh, We get the verses on the screen. Mark 14 and what did I say? Mark 14 and Mark 1, sorry, Mark 1, 14. Here we go. 1, 14, sorry, I said 14, 1, 14. There we go. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Verse 18, And straightway, immediately, right away, they forsook their nets and followed him. Father, thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being together to worship and exalt you first and foremost, but now for the ministry of your word to our lives, I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts tonight. Give us ears to hear, God, what you're saying. We are 
so thankful for what you are doing, God, the work of your Spirit that is taking place. And we don't want to miss out on anything. And we want you to continue to work and move and position and equip us to be a part of what you're doing. So I pray that you would continue that tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Can't do it. All right. Well, we'll... Nice. All right. Verse 17 again. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I want you to follow me, but I don't want you just to follow me. I'm not looking for you just to follow me. I'm not looking to just gather a crowd that will go where I go, but I want you to follow me because I want you to become. I want you to follow me because there's something I want you to become. I've come to the midst of, I guess, a few things tonight, remind and challenge us that we're here to become. We're not here just to be. We're here to become. We didn't get in this just to become a member, just to become a church member, but we, we received a call. Maybe it wasn't quite in the same way that, that the disciples got theirs, but in essence, when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and when you were born again, you were called. You were called. I realize some get called in to, to certain aspects of ministry. Some get called to preach, we say. Some get called to be an evangelist, called to pastor, called to be a missionary, called into certain things. The, the bottom line is whether you're called into one of those specific things, we are all called. So the, the, the responsibility and the focus we need to keep is, there's something I am becoming. John said it like this, we, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Right now, when you and I were born again, at that moment we were sons. Didn't have to earn it, didn't have to deserve it, didn't have to do anything to become worthy of it. We became a son. But then he says, it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. I am a son, but that's not all I'm going to be. I am a son. I was born again and became a son. But there's something else I'm going to be as a son. We're all called to become something. I, I, I want to I, I remind you, I want to stir up your pure minds tonight for a, for a few minutes here if I could. And, and, and I want to talk to you for, for a few minutes of the, the difference between the multitude and the disciples. And let me, let me also remind you again, taught this uh, earlier this year or sometime last year. I realize most of you know it, and so it's just a reminder. Maybe somebody that doesn't know it yet tonight, so it'll be informative to you. But the, the, the term Christians was the term the world gave to define the followers of Christ. Christians was the world's label. It was the world's label. God's label for His followers was disciples. And they're not the same thing. They're not synonymous. And as I was studying and preparing for tonight, I, I came across one commentary that if I understood what that commentary was saying, that in essence, that, that the writer was saying that they're, they're basically the same thing now. They're not the same thing. A church member is not automatically the same thing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. A faithful church member is not automatically a disciple. A person that labels themselves a Christian is not automatically a disciple. And so you and I are not here tonight because we were called to be Christians. We were called to be disciples. And being a disciple means I don't just show up three times a week, punch the card, and I'm done. 
punched the time clock and I've done my job. But as a disciple, it's, it's an ongoing, non-stop thing. I can be a Christian and just punch the clock. I can be a Christian and just stay stagnant. But if I'm going to be a disciple, there is an ongoing process of development in my life. You and I are not done growing until one of two things happens. Either you die or the rapture takes place. Until then, you have not arrived. Until one of those two things happen, you have not finished yet. And I, I don't know about most of you. I think most of you could identify with me, but I, I've kind of found that the last, you know, several years, it there, there's some. There, I, I'm starting to see the uglier stuff about me. The first little while, you know, it was the surface stuff. Paul. The Apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I... Let me tell you something. If Paul could classify himself as a wretched man, I've got nothing to strut around about. <laughs> so you can be a stagnant Christian, but you can't be a stagnant disciple. You can plateau as a Christian, but if you're a disciple, you don't plateau because as a part of being a disciple is becoming like the teacher. And I don't know about you, but I got a long ways left to go to be like him. I may resemble him in a few areas, but there's a whole lot of other areas. So multitude, the, the, the Greek word for multitude means... A crowd. It is a casual collection of people. A multitude of men who have flocked together in some place, a throng. Brother Kenneth Haney was the, the one that officiated my ordination service. He was here for our district conference that year, and so he was the one that did that service. And I will never forget a message he preached. It may have actually been that same night, but a message he preached in that district conference, and he made this statement several times. A, ch a crowd is not a church. And there's some things that we call a church that is just a crowd. Hello? I don't care what they're meeting in. I don't care if it has a steeple on the roof. A crowd is not automatically a church. And there were, well, we'll read it here in a moment. A disciple, and this is according to Easton's Bible Dictionary, and this isn't just a, the simple Greek definition, but it's a little bit of a, uh, of commentary, I guess. A disciple is a scholar, sometimes applied to the followers of John the Baptist and of the Pharisees, but principally to the followers of Christ. A disciple of Christ is one who believes his doctrine, rests on his sacrifice, imbibes his spirit, and imitates his example. I, I'm not, you may not agree with me, and that's alright. I think I've got the Bible to back me up tonight. But, but a Christian doesn't necessarily do those things. In fact, I can tell you that because I've been around some Christians who acted anything but that, claimed to be Christians, and I wasn't going to really argue with them. We, we've, uh, we, we've, we've played in a softball league for, I don't know, seven, six, seven, eight years now. We used to play in one in Baltimore, now we play, we play in Bowie on Tuesday nights in this league, and it's an interfaith league. We used to play at Randazzo Park. I think the name changed to something else, or maybe it changed to Randazzo. But up near Martin Spaulding High School, we, we played there for a couple of years in a county league. Non-church county league, right? Non-church county league. I see something at this interfaith league that I never saw at the county league. And that is 
most of the teams, by the set, we play two games, usually play two games a night. By the second or third inning of the first game, they're not drinking Gatorade and water. In fact, most teams give a fee to get their beer permit. They're Christians. They go to church every week. That's not a disciple. (laughs) As a disciple, I am supposed to reflect Him. I am supposed to resemble Him. And I am supposed to be coming more and more like Him. And and this isn't what I've come for tonight, but I want to just pause for a moment and try to help somebody. Don't, Don't let what you watch on a TV screen or a computer screen and a crowd you see that's gathered together for a religious event called a church service confuse you into thinking that it's all okay. I want you to look, and there's plenty of other places you can read, and plenty of other places you can find the word multitude, but for the sake of time and focus tonight, I just want to draw your attention to this one chapter. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump around in it a little bit, but Matthew 13 and 2, it says, Matthew chapter 13 verse 2, it says, A great mu- and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So, he had a floating platform. Verse 3, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And he goes on with that parable. You skip down to verse number 10. The disciples come unto him and said, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. To the crowd that's just gathering out of curiosity, I'm not giving them the best I have. So I'm going to give them something that's not... You ever listen to... I'm not trying to be mean here or unkind. You ever listen to some preaching or teaching? And and it was like, man, that sounds good. But then when you got done and you really started thinking about it, you're like... What were they really saying? What was that? Jesus was saying something, but he was disguising it. He was was saying stuff in ways that as a crowd, it it obviously was sounded good enough that it got a multitude. It got a crowd, but he really wasn't saying much to them. And the disciples realized that, and so they... They ask him, why are you doing this? We see what you're doing. Why are you doing it? And he says, it's not, it's not for them to know the mysteries. It's not for those that just gather every now and then and go their separate ways. But the ones that it's given to, to know the mysteries is the ones that are, that are, that are, that, that are not just showing up to hear what I have to say, but they're sticking with me. They're following me and they're, they're wanting to, they're wanting to get more and hear more and understand more so that they can become more and more like what they're supposed to be. Skipping down to verse number 24, same chapter. And another parable put he forth unto them. Verse 31, and another parable put he forth unto them. Verse 33, another parable spake he unto them. Verse 34, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. You know, it's kind of interesting today is the way the church does it today is we, 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 we gather the crowd and we want them to totally understand what we're saying. And so now we've got churches that are, their, their content has come, become nothing more than a self-help motivational setting. When there's supposed to be something to whet the appetite so that you want more. And I didn't quite get, I may not have quite got what you said, but there's something about it that resonates in my spirit and there's a hunger that I have for something else. Verse. All these things spake Jesus unto them, unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away, went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. We've, we've now that we've listened to you, we've heard what you've said to this multitude. We've heard what you've said to this crowd that has been gathered. Now we tell us what it really means. See, the, the multitude comes and hears and they go their separate way content not to have an explanation. It's okay to show up on a Sunday morning and hear the preacher preach a great inspirational message and that'll get you through till next week. And I liked it enough, I'll be back next week to hear some more. But, you know, not really too concerned with what it means and not too concerned with finding out more. But the disciple says, declare unto us, tell us, explain to us. What were you really saying? What did it really mean? Because I, I, I've got to know, and I've got to know because I'm not content to just come and go. Not content to just be in a crowd that gathers out of curiosity. You know, there, there, there's I, I, my understanding of some of the things Scripture says. I don't think every single miracle Jesus did was recorded. Scripture tells of everything he had done and said was recorded. There wasn't, there's not enough room to contain it. <laughs> so I, I do believe there was more, but, but you know what? How many times I wondered, was there a multitude that gathered and, and there was only a couple of people that got a need met and there was only a couple of people that got healed and there was only a couple of people that got what they needed and everybody else went their way because they were content to just come out of curiosity. You see, here's, here's the difference. Multitude, it, the multitude comes and goes. The multitude comes when they hear something starting and they gather together to listen. But when it's done, they're going about their business. But John 6, verse 66 says this, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Now, this isn't just talking about the multitude. This is talking about some that had reached a point of being disciples. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? I wonder if the reason we find Jesus asking the disciples this about some that were disciples that have left, and we don't find Him asking this about the crowd, the multitude, is because they, they understood. It was, it was, maybe it was just, it was something they just, they just, maybe even subconsciously they got. That there's gonna be a crowd that gathers, and there's gonna be a crowd that goes. There's gonna be a multitude that shows up, and they're gonna to listen to what He has to say, and they're gonna talk about how great it was, but at the end of it, they're going back to their life, going back to their ways, going back to their business. And so maybe that's why we don't find Him when the multitude left saying anything to the disciples. But when some disciples are leaving, He says to the disciples, are you gonna go also? So here's the difference between the multitude and the disciples. Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, Whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal, of eternal life. You see, the multitude sticks around as long as what they're hearing they like to hear. The multitude stays as long as you're tickling their ears. The disciple realizes, I'm going to reach a point, you're going to start saying some stuff to me that I don't like and I don't want to hear, but I understand I need to hear it. And so when the crowd and even some disciples start going their way, I'm not going anywhere because I understand that you have the words of eternal life. So you and I have been given this great privilege and opportunity, this invitation to not just be participants or sit in a crowd and listen to what Jesus has to say, what some, but we have been invited to be participants. 
you know, you, you, you should probably shouldn't be able to do this at Antioch anymore. Maybe I could still trick some of you with it, but a lot of places you go and you could simply say, I want all the ministers to raise their hand. You'll get like, you know, a couple of people that are licensed ministers. Then you, well, I didn't ask for the preachers or the what. Because we all, we all, we all, we all. I know Monday night and Sunday night was a lot funner than this. I know. Some of you got me so tuned out because I'm not appealing to your emotions tonight. Don't be in the multitude. (laughs) Hey, Peter, Andrew, hey guys, I want you to come follow me and watch what I do and just observe. I want you to give up your your livelihood and what you're doing to just come and be a spectator. I want you just to want you to follow me around and see all the cool, neat stuff I can do. Listen to what I have to say and watch what I do and just 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 watch me. That's not what it was. I want you to follow me because there's something I want you to become. There's something more than what you're doing. There's something else to participate in and be called to than what you have, you've come to identify yourself as. And, and I realize here we are on Thursday night and we're down to the, we're down to essentially the nucleus, but I'm teaching, preaching, talking, whatever it is to some folks tonight that you are extremely faithful, but you, you really haven't totally bought in to being a disciple. Because as a disciple, I don't block Jesus in to three services a week. Or even another night for a care group or some... As a disciple, I understand that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I am working to become more and more like Him every day. You know, this this may offend some of you. You may be you you may be too high and mighty for what I'm about to say, and I apologize. But I got to tell you, from a strictly fleshly standpoint, strictly fleshly standpoint, how cool would it be to show up one hour every Sunday morning, punch a religious clock for a church service? Go about the rest of your time in life the way you want to and go to heaven. I, I, I know I'm amongst the, some holy people tonight. I know. I know there's some holy folks and I, I just offended some of you with my humanity. I'm sorry. My flesh says that'd be pretty awesome. My flesh said that'd be great. Let's do us hour on Saturday evening. Knock it out of the way. <laughs> that way I got, I got all, I mean, I'll give them an hour, no problem, sure. How wonderful that would be from a fleshly standpoint. What a bargain that would be. What a cheap price to pay for something so significant. (laughs) You're talking about a discount. I'm going to give one little block of my time every week to get something in exchange that is eternal, that lasts forever, that... I know that'd be nice. The problem is, even when it comes to church, you get... What you pay for. It's been a while since I've told any of them, but some of y'all are familiar with my knockoff watches and cheap price for something that looks ten bucks for a Rolex. Made the big mistake two or three, three or four years ago, 
I was told it was a good imitation. And I paid like $70 for a Breitling that was good. I mean, it was a quality imitation. Till I got home and a, two or three weeks later, my quality imitation was no longer working anymore. You know what? That's no big deal when it comes to a watch. Ten bucks for a cheap watch, it'll look good for a little while and okay. But a cheap price for an imitation salvation that's not going to do what it's really supposed to do. You know what? You can get a multitude. You can get a multitude. You can gather a crowd. But getting some folks that will say, not going anywhere. You alone have the words of eternal life. You see, there's, there, there, you can call it unfair if you want to, but there's some stuff God offers the disciples. He doesn't offer the multitude. There's some things he saves for the disciple that he's not just freely given away to the crowd. Because he understands there's a bunch of the crowd that's going to come and go. And so why give something precious and valuable? It's, it's pretty much a known deal when it comes to seminars and things like that. You never give the notes away. Of course, we, you know, we're now in 2015 and it's mostly electronic and whatever but if you're in a you're in a seminar where there's a syllabus and there's handouts printed out notes you basically never give them away even if all you do is charge a dollar because you will take care of something you paid for something you were freely given you just I've seen it. We've done it. We've given stuff away and you get done with service and you walk around and there's 15, 20 copies of it sitting there. Because you didn't pay something. Salvation is free. Available to everyone. But it actually will cost you. The offer is free, but it's going to cost you. Because if it doesn't cost you something, you're not going to value it. You're not going to treasure it. And so the multitude shows up and they pay no price. They hear something good. They leave inspired, even though they don't really know what they heard. But the disciples say, we're not going anywhere. And I'm not going anywhere because you called me to something. I, 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 I like, for the most part, I like watching sports on TV for the most part. But if I have the choice of watching or playing, there's, there's no, there's no time to need to think about that. Because watching is one thing, but being able to, to be involved and do. How amazing is it that you and I have been invited to not just be spectators and watch what God does and watch how God performs, but we have been invited to be participants and labors and joint heirs with Him. And then, and then l l listen to what He says. Listen to what He says in John 14 and 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. And look at what verse 12 says. I know most of you have heard it and you know it, but look at what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Put a period there and that's pretty great. Let the verse stop there, and that's wonderful. For us to do the same works he's done, but he didn't stop there. Not only are you going to do the works that I do, but greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. How many of you tonight can say you are experiencing that in your life? You're experiencing not just 
watching and hearing about the works that he did, but you yourself are involved in seeing those works happen. If you're not, that's the invitation, the promise that's been given to you and I. The Bible exposition commentary says this with regards to greater works. The, the quote, greater works would apply initially to the apostles who were given the power to perform special miracles as the credentials of their office. These miracles were not greater in quality, for the servant is not greater than his Lord, but rather in scope and quantity. Peter preached one sermon and 3,000 sinners were converted in one day. The fact that ordinary people performed these signs made them even more wonderful and brought great glory to God. You and I are not spectators, folks. One of my... One of my, I don't know the best word, burden is probably okay, concern, I don't want to say fear because that's too much of a negative connotation, but one of my concerns over the last six weeks is that we don't allow what's been taking place in church services to be where it stops. That all of the wonderful, great things God's been doing and saying to us and the great moves of God that we've had, we've been having, that's awesome. But that's not the, that's not the end. That's not the destination. The destination is that we leave this place as disciples and we go out and greater things and miracles and signs and wonders that He did and promised us would happen in our life, that that gets translated outside of a building, whether it's the hill or the castle. Where, where I, I said something recently and was in a conversation with someone and if I, if, if, if others misunderstood it, let me clarify. I, I, I don't think that we should not have miracles in church. I don't think that we shouldn't have signs and wonders and miracles in church. But I don't, I also don't think that church is, should be the only place that happens. Yeah, let's have them in church. That's great. But where did Jesus do most of his miracles? In a church service? In a gathering of people for us? No, he did it on the street. He did it walking down the road when a blind man cries out, have mercy on me. He, he does it all these different places. Because the, the bottom line is, you and I tonight, and I, I think I've seen a few guests here tonight, but the great majority here tonight are church members, part of this church. You and I should not need signs and wonders and miracles anymore. We should not need those for our own selves anymore. This is, I think this is the way a lot of believers live for God. They're trying to move in the right direction, but they're also trying to see the signs and wonders. What did Jesus say? These signs shall follow them that believe. But we're trying to see the signs, the wonders and the miracles, rather than realizing the signs and the wonders are for those that need their faith confirmed. You and I should not need our faith confirmed anymore. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, it's a lot funner sitting over there just responding to Brother Morgan. <laughs> greater, greater works, greater works, greater works. You see, there, there also seems to be a, a group in the multitude that become fairly faithful. But there's no way to just be in the multitude and be satisfied. You can't. You can't just keep coming and be satisfied with what you're hearing over and over and over and over and over. 
There's got to be something that you are experiencing. And, and, and what did the psalmist say? Oh, taste and see. Experience for yourself. Find out for yourself. Find out what it's like for yourself. Not what somebody else is saying or not what somebody else is doing. But find out for yourself because somewhere along the way, he stopped by where you were and said, follow me and I will make you to become. I will make you to become. I realize I'm teaching, preaching, whatever it is tonight to people that... Are you, you, you've got, you've got so many burdens and challenges that you deal with day to day in life and so many things that are overwhelming and so many, so many issues to have to try to work through. I, I realize that, that the flesh just wants to find some place and just sit down and relax and just take a break. The problem is there's something down deep inside of all of us that's not content. It understands there's something more. There's something more than just being a spectator. And there's something more than just being a good, faithful church member. I've been invited. I've been welcomed into something beyond that. See, I, I don't know what some of you are waiting on, but if you're waiting on you know, us to start organizing some great outreach evangelism effort and whatever, i I got to tell you, Unless God does start doing something different, that's not happening. We're not going to get there. We're not trying to get there by our planning. We're not going to get there by an event. Oh, hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm, oh, Jesus. I know some of you are thankful for some of the services and whatever, but it's got to translate beyond church, folks. It's got to translate beyond church. Not so, I know some of you have been so whatever with coming to church and the same old, same old at church, and, and I'm glad for what's going on. I'm as happy as anybody as what's going on and the moves of God that we've been having. But I got to tell you, we can keep having move of God after move of God after move of God, but if disciples aren't going and if disciples aren't interacting and if, if, and, and if God's not operating in us and through us outside of here or outside of the castle, we're going to get discontented with that. And I gotta tell you, I am so, I have been for a number of years actually, but it's, it just keeps, I guess it keeps intensifying. I am so desperate and hungry for something like that that's not a product of us having to try to produce it. I believe, I believe. I believe there's a time and a place for things that, and, and there's a time and a place for activities. I, we have done and more than likely that we'll do block parties and things like that in the future. I'm not against those. I'm not opposed to those. And there, there, there's a time and a place, but there's something down inside of me that just says there's got to be another way that we can get there and other places that it doesn't require us trying to figure it out and plan it. Out, but God, through a sovereign work and move of His Spirit, and disciples that are being that are receiving guidance and instruction and direction. He didn't give gift cards away on the day of Pentecost. They didn't give an automobile away. And give a van and a car away. We did it. And I was the one that initiated it. So I'm not pointing fingers. They didn't do that on the day of Pentecost. There was a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost because there was some disciples in the upper room that realized greater works than these shall we do. And we're not just going to be spectators and commemorate what happened, but we're going to be participants. I want you to follow me. I want you to become. I want you to become a good crowd that will show up. We, we can organize. Man, this church, we can, or we can do it as good as anybody. I'm sorry. We did Fearless Fun for two or three years. I mean, we, 
Man, we did it. We, not I, we. And we can, we can, or we can put on, I'm telling, we got some folks that know how to put on an event. I mean that, I mean that sincerely. And, 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 and you know what? There's times and places. But there's no way that this end time harvest, that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain is going to come about because we somehow manufacture programs and events and things to do it. But it's going to come about because there are some people that put down their nets and were willing to let go of what they were used to and comfortable with to follow Him to become. I want to become... I want to become. I don't want to just be. I want to become. I want to just observe. I want to become. I want to become what it is you want me to be. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm wrapping up, and this is. I don't know how well this really flows with all of it, but it's where I'm going. What I believe I feel to share. I, I, I went this week uh, for just two days. Flew out Tuesday morning to Kansas City. Went and spent a couple days with Brother Gleason. Preached our 44th anniversary here last year. When Brother Gleason and I, when Brother Gleason was here for our anniversary services last year, first evening, uh, we, we, he and I went out and got a bite to eat. I think my sons may have been with me, but other than that, it was just he and I. And, and it was at that point I had been really, and it was about the same time, I actually, I think, when I had been teaching some stuff about discipleship on, I guess it would have still been Monday nights at that point. He and I got to talking about discipleship, and it was really neat to hear that some of the same things God had been dealing with me about, talking to me about, he'd been talking to him about. And so we spent the, that evening talking about it, and he shared some things with me, and I don't have time to get into the whole story with you, but pretty awesome testimony he shared then. And there was a man that he had gone to a seminar, some kind of a church seminar. And this guy, I believe, was a speaker at the seminar. And basically it had to do with discipleship, discipling, becoming disciples, training to be disciples. And Brother Gleason got connected with this guy, and this guy was just basically not real satisfied and content with what's going on and what he was experiencing. And in the course of time, Brother Gleason talking to him, working them two of them working together, the guy got, or he had already received the Holy Ghost, but he got baptized in Jesus' name and now is extremely connected with Brother Gleason and working together with him as well as he now travels all over. He had already been traveling, but now I think primarily with United Pentecostal churches and and going in and, and helping to, 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 to be on purpose in discipleship. You see, for so long, and some of you, you may not be aware of this, but for so long, when, when, and amongst Pentecostals, when we talk about discipleship, that's what we refer, that's what we, we mean with a person that just gets saved, and you give them a discipleship class. And then you graduate from discipleship class. Ta-da! It's an ongoing and ever-ending process. <laughs> and, and so I, I had... Uh, Brother Gleason called me a couple months ago about one thing, and in the course of it, we just got to talking some, and I said, you know, I, I'd love to just come out there and spend a, a day with you just talking some more about what we talked about. And so I went out there yesterday, and, and, and uh, this week, and, and yesterday got to spend a couple of hours with this... Uh, this brother and and listen to what he does and 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 he made very powerful statement. You see, what we've also done is outreach has kind of become a ministry of the church, a ministry of the church. You, you, I'm not sure if you're hearing what I'm saying. We have made outreach a ministry of the church. We've made outreach an organized ministry of the church. And so we organize door knocking, we organize evangelism, we organize event, and, 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 and though that's when people come together. And, 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 but, but everyone, 
was commissioned to go. Everyone was commissioned to go. And he, and he, he asked me this question, how many, how many people you have in your church? And, and, and so I, I gave him a, a rough figure. And he said, well, that's not really your church. He used this term, I like this term, kingdom influence. He said this, he said, every, every adult has, on average, 20 people in their life that they have influence with. Non-believers outside the church they have influence, whether that's friends, co-workers, where there's some degree of a relationship, 20 people. So, don't you, let me just, we, we have, I think, fairly safely, you could say about 500 adults, maybe a little bit more, but for the most part about 500 adults that are some degree faithfully committed to this church. And forget everything I just got through saying about the multitude and the disciple. We're throwing that out the window for a minute. <laughs> about 500 people. So, based on this idea of kingdom influence... That means that we right now, with just 500 people, we have a reach of 10,000 people. You guys count yet? What we have tonight? 257 tonight. Well, Sunday's probably around 500. So let's just take tonight. Somebody, what's, what's the math? 257 times 20. Just tonight, just just with us tonight, we got we got people that would have been here had it been for the traffic or whatever else that are normally here can't be here tonight, whatever. So, not uncommon to have about three hundred. But so that means we're not just three hundred. We're not just five hundred. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. And then and then he made this statement, and I I mean I I don't it was just. Exciting. <laughs> Out of that, when you take that group of people, so those, 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 that number of church people multiplied by that 20 people they have influence over. In that group, there is 10% of that group. There is 10% of that group that is ready at this moment for conversion. So let's go back to that 500 number. That's 10,000 people. If out of that 10,000 that we have influence, there's 10% of them that are at the, not, not what God is working in, but at this moment are ready. At this moment are ready. In case you haven't done the math, that's twice. That here's the here, here's part of what I, I I really want and part of the reason for sharing this and tonight and, and my hope and desire. I, I'm not trying to minimize faith and the need for faith, but at the same time, I, I, we we get ourselves so intimidated and overwhelmed. Intimidated because all I have is a sling. You were here a couple weeks ago. All I've got is a sling. A sling that I'm extremely skillful in using, put it in a hair's breadth of where I need to put it. But you see, we, we, we look at that and we've got all these big, huge mental barriers when in fact, right now, right now, just a matter of disciples. Disciples who have been called to become, not to just be, but to become, if we would just find them. They're there, all we got to do is find them. You know, I realize there's a, there's a couple of you here tonight that probably aren't really a normal person. There's a few of you that may be a little bit strange. 
you know what? I look around and I do it a lot of times, probably more subconsciously, but every now and then constantly. I look around and I just kind of scan the audience and I think about different, I look at different ones of you and I think about just the basics for some of you that I know about you. Others maybe know a little bit more about you. And, and, and from my perspective, you're all normal people. Oh, I know we all act a little crazy. But let me rephrase that. Most of us every now and then act a little crazy in church. Brother Morgan's been working on that. <laughs> I, intelligent, educated, skilled, qualified. And the devil, I, you, you, normal people. You know, I, I, I just learned in the last couple of days is there, apparently there's a pretty significant Mormon population in Kansas City and then there's some whole other dynamic that I didn't know about and some break that it had and separate deals that were formed. And I, I said it to Brother Gleason in, the, in the, one of our conversations on the last two days. I'm like, you know, I, I just, I don't get it sometimes how people say we're weird. You learn about some of these other religions and other, and we're the weird ones. I've never been to a, just a regular Catholic mass, but I've been to a Catholic funeral. And I, got, I mean, that guy walks up there with his swinging the smoke around. And, but we're weird. We're weird because we act in church the way people are only used to people acting in a stadium or a concert. Or... And I realize we can. And, let, and he said, let's hope. Let's hope people come and sit in our services and go, whoa. If they don't, we've failed. We have. But... You mean to tell me right now, tonight, out of 500,000 plus people, out of 500,000 just in Anne Arundel County, that's not counting Baltimore and PG County and across the bridge in D.C. where we've got active ministries, that in Anne Arundel County alone, you mean to tell me there's not that right now? We, we, we need God to help us with a change of mentality because... Oh man, that's that, that would be awesome, but oh man. What is 500, what, what percentage is 500 to 500,000? 0.01, 1, 0.01, 0.01. God usually doesn't have trouble even with a tithe. That's not even a tithe. So what is, what is the lack then? I think the lack is we gotta make sure we are becoming. And not just becoming what I want to become. Hello. See, I, I got some things. I don't mind if I become this. I don't mind if I become a great preacher. I don't mind if I become a great worship leader. But you know, there's a few other things I'm not so sure about wanting to become. But if all of us could simply allow God to help us to become, to become more than just a member of a multitude in a crowd, but to become what it is He has created and designed us to be. I, I, I want to. I don't know how I want to do this. I may, I may not do it as formally as I was originally going to. I, I want to ask you to do something. I tell you what, I will do it this way. If I get help from a couple of ushers, or it doesn't have to be just ushers, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want us tonight, if you would, you don't have to be an adult, every adult that would, if you're not an adult, if you're a young person, or even a child, 20, 20 people. I, I work, unlike most of you, there's a few of us that are this way, I work here. This is my job. This is my livelihood. The people I deal with here at this building on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure are saved. 
Pretty sure. Most days, I think so. Hold on just a second. Hold on one second, brethren. I'm sorry. So I, I, this is my world. But even with this being my world, you know what? I know there's 20 people in my life that are not a part of this, that are not Holy Ghost filled, water baptized. So I say that to say if I can come up with 20, most of you work secular employment, got a lot more interaction with other people than I do. So here's what I'd like to do, and I also have some pencils. I don't have any pens, but I have some pencils if you don't have one. I, I want us to, those of you that would participate with this tonight, I want you to write, if you can come up with at least 20, if you can do more than 20, so be it, if, you could, if it's not 20. But I'm asking you to write the names, if you can come up with 20, write the names of 20 people on that piece of paper that you're going to get. And then, I, then, I, and then we're going to collect them, and then, and then, and then what we're going to do is, somehow I'll work on this, doing this on the fly. But we're going to gather them up. Maybe we'll get them in a box. And we're going to put them in the, in the uh, we may do it in service some, but in the prayer room. When you stop by the prayer room, here's what I want us to pray. God, help us to find that 10% that's ready. To those 20 people that I have influence over, help me to find the 10% that is right now ready. See, the problem is if you don't pick fruit when it's ripe, and it gets beyond the point of ripeness, it can become sour and you miss the opportunity. If you need a pencil or something to write with, if you have a pen, I'd prefer you do it on a pen. So here's how we're going to close tonight. In fact, I tell you what, if, well, if you're already writing and starting, but we're going to pray for a moment. We're actually going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to pray for two things. I'm going to pray that God would quicken to our minds individuals. Some of you here tonight, you, you're, you're connected and involved with way more than 20 people. Some of you might have a little bit of a challenge with 20. I want us to pray that God would quicken to our minds. And then the second thing is, I want us to pray that God would lead us to those that are hungry and ready and prepared. So you can keep writing if you want to. Uh, if you want to pause for a moment and join with me, that's fine too. Father, you have called every one of us here tonight to become. Not to just be, not to just be a part of the multitude, even a faithful part of a multitude, but you've called us as disciples to become. You called them from the beginning to become fishers of men. You've called us to be the same. God, you promised us, and we've heard it the last several weeks, a fresh and a new promise of 500 souls. And part of us, are to, to, to part of ourselves, part of our flesh, that seems so large and overwhelming, God, but not to diminish the importance and the significance of it, but in a lot of ways, God, it's really not a lot. And it's definitely not hard for you. We just got to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit to find those that are hungry and ready. And so I pray that you would quicken to the minds of the people in this sanctuary tonight, the people that have connection, relationship, influence with. And then, God, I pray that out of those people, you would begin to help us to be sensitive and find those that are the ones that are ready that are desperate right now, that are hungry right now for more. Some whose lives may be falling apart in a disaster and they're looking for hope and you're the answer. And others, God, they, they've got faith already. They've, they've already got a relationship with you, but they're just, they're still hungry for more. I pray that you would lead us to those people. In the name of Jesus Christ, God help us to become. I pray for, from the youngest to the oldest in this sanctuary tonight, that you would help every one of us to become what it is you've called us to follow you to be. We're not just followers of you wandering around wherever you go, but we're following you because there's something we are becoming, something you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So if you would do that, then do me one of, you can do it one of two ways if you want. If you want to set it on the table in the back or those of you that are closer to the front, come 
set it on the platform. I know there's some of you that pretty regularly come by the prayer room and pray. I'm going to do my best in the next day or so. We'll get these collected up and put it. I just want you to just, when you stop by there to pray, just the box or whatever it's in, I just want you to put your hand on it, hold it, whatever you want to do for a few moments and us to continue to pray that God will direct us and lead us to those that are ripe and ready for His Spirit and His Word. Praise God. So when you do that, you are dismissed and hopefully the traffic is all cleared up for your journey home tonight. God bless you in Jesus' name.